KFI AM 640, more stimulating talks. The Bill Handel Show. Bill will be back tomorrow. Wayne Resnick sitting in. And we're joined now by ABC News correspondent Adrian Bankert, who is in Palm Springs, where the horrifying crash occurred. You can follow her at AB on TV. Good morning. Welcome to KFI. Bring us on. Ah, there you go. I hear you now. Um, tell us what happened, please. Well, this is an accident that even the CHP says has shocked their department. Uh, We know that a tour bus on its way back from a casino to Los Angeles rammed the back of a trailer. Now, this was not just striking the trailer. It actually went about 15 feet deep into the back of this big rig. So two to three rows of passengers just completely wiped out and This has been a devastation to the communities where these families are from. Uh, The next of kin are still being notified. We know that there were 13 deaths because of this accident. The other 31 passengers were all transported to local hospitals. Some of them have been released. We are here in Palm Springs at Desert Regional Medical Center, where four patients are still here being treated. They are listed in critical condition. And that is the only trauma center in that entire area. Is that right? As far as we know, yes, there was one patient actually transferred here from another hospital because of the trauma center. Another patient who was admitted here was transferred to a hospital in Los Angeles. But the remaining patients are at two other uh, medical locations here getting their treatment. Uh, Several of them had to be in ICU. And doctors at this particular hospital were saying that the kinds of accident injuries that they usually see in a crash are usually a lot of severe broken bones. But because people who were able to survive this accident were thrown around at the point of impact, most of them sleeping, uh, they sustained a lot of facial fractures, a lot of spine injuries, and they're saying that it's evidence that none of the people inside were wearing their seatbelts, if there were seatbelts on this bus at all. Well, the National Transportation Safety Administration is... I don't know if they're on scene yet or they're going to be on scene shortly, but they are going to comb through that scene and figure out exactly those kinds of questions, whether or not there were seatbelts and what was right. what else was going on with that bus. Uh, Adrian, can you talk a little bit about the, the Highway Patrol Division Chief mm, and yeah. just generally your impressions of him and how he's dealing with it? You know, Chief Abley was so gracious to make time for the press. I mean, you have to be sensitive. You've got families who are coming to the CHP office in Indio who are in tears, who don't know if their grandmother was on that bus and died or is in some ICU somewhere, emergency room. You don't know if your mother, I I talked to a couple of families there, um, and Chief Abley was there not only having to work with those families, make sure that they had the hotline numbers, make sure that his staff was giving them the information that they needed as early as it was in the investigation yesterday, but also the emotion. Um, you talk to witnesses on scene who saw when the bus was literally literally ripped away from the back of that trailer. And Chief Abley, when he mentioned the kind of accident this was and how in his 35 years of working on highways in California, had never seen 13 fatalities in one incident. He had tears in his eyes. Um, 
I, I don't want to put him, you know, uh, out there and air his laundry in a sense, but I saw his hand shaking. And I could tell this is an emotional job for the highway patrol. This is not a job any of us would want to do. You know, letting people know, family members know that their relative, their mother, their father had died in this crash. And we still don't know why and what happened. Now, what do we know about the the trip itself? I mean, it was obviously one of these casino junkets. And Mm -hmm. we know it left from Los Angeles and it went to the Red Earth Casino Mm-hmm. near uh, Salton Sea. But this crash happened after a little after 5 a.m. in the morning. Right, 5.17 a.m. So what do we know about the timing of the trip and so forth? You know, we haven't been able to get a lot of details about their actual schedule, but we know that when Chief Avery was speaking to us yesterday, he said that they would go back 24 hours and look at the tour schedule, look at the activities of uh, this bus driver, I. We have reports on the bus company that are completely clean, no accidents in the past three inspections. They were up to date on their inspections since 2014. No out-of-service reports, no mechanical problems. And so that gives us some bit of peace. You know, you want to hope that this was just a horrible, tragic accident. There wasn't anything involved like texting while driving. Um, but at the same time, you can't, you can't speculate. So we're waiting to hear back. Hopefully the CHP and NCSB can give us those vital details around one this afternoon. And I understand that it was difficult and may still be difficult to identify all of the victims because is it that some of them didn't have ID and others of them, mm-hmm. they were thrown around so much they were separated from their belongings. Right. So you don't know what belongs to who. Yes. In fact, um, Chief Abley specifically mentioned that a lot of people's ID was outdated or hard to read, maybe. So they were trying to match names to people, and it took some time to gather that information. We saw these large evidence bags being taken away because these are folks who were on a casino trip. You know, they might have had an overnight bag or some luggage um, and, you know, maybe um, some other personal belongings where you had to connect them to the people who are being taken away by stretcher uh, and some to the morgue, unfortunately. So um, they have a big task at hand. I mean, there were 44 people on board this bus, and it is truly tragic because it's affecting communities between the Salton Sea, as you mentioned, all the way up to Koreatown, uh, where some of those folks are going to be dropped off. So what what are we looking forward to in terms of an investigation today and uh, an update on the situation? Well, a lot of people were saying that um, they were checking into the skid marks and, and was this big rig stalled in the road? Was he Did he slam on his brakes? And how did the bus driver react? Did he not have enough reaction time? We're going to try to hopefully get some of that information. But one of the key pieces of uh, evidence here is that the CHP says this bus driver was going at a significant speed. Significant meaning faster than the truck driver, the big rig driver. So when the collision happened, the depth of which that bus went into the back of the trailer, it's really crucial because there's no applying of the brakes. At least that's what it looks like. There was no hitting of the brakes by the driver. So their assumption, again, without any crucial pieces of evidence to prove it, is that this was a medical emergency like a heart attack or driver fatigue. But they can't confirm that until they get all of these details and then finally release them to us publicly, hopefully, today. All right. Uh, Adrian, thank you so much. 
Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you. All right. Adrian Bankert from ABC News. You can follow her at AB on TV. And we know there's going to be a, a scheduled update at 1 p.m. today. And hopefully it will happen as scheduled. And maybe they'll have a little more insight for us as to what happened there in Palm Springs. Buses, buses are so hard to make safe. You can't you can't really have airbags. You can't have the same kind of seatbelt technology in a bus, and and there are some buses that still don't have seatbelts, if you can imagine that. And because there's so much interior space, when there's a collision, you can't really build buses with the kind of crumple zones that they can put in passenger cars. So anytime there's a bus collision, uh, it's always very, very dangerous. Let's uh, pause here, and then when we come back, we're going to be joined by our own Eric Leonard from KFI News. He was at the press conference where Trump accuser number 11 spoke out. And she it sounds like she got a better offer than a lot of the other women got from Donald Trump. And we'll find out what Eric knows. It's the Bill Handel Show, KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. KFI AM 640, more stimulating talk. It's the Bill Handel Show. Wayne Resnick sitting in. Uh, Bill will be back tomorrow. Now listen, at 8 o'clock, we will get into the latest round of Hillary Clinton-related emails. John Podesta's Gmail account, the gift that keeps on uh, giving and gifting. And now there's a tie-in with the FBI. So we'll get into that little bit later in the show. Right now, though, we bring on our own Eric Leonard, who was at the press conference for Trump accuser number 11. Good morning, sir. Hey, good morning. Yeah, this happened on Saturday at the offices of local attorney Gloria Allred, who uh, presented Jessica Drake, an adult film performer who says that she and Trump had a run-in in Lake Tahoe at a golf tournament during which her employer, a company by the name of Wicked Pictures, was either sponsoring the event or sponsoring some sort of booth at the event, and she produced a photograph that shows, in fact, she was arm-in-arm with Donald Trump back in 2006. Ten years ago, I was working for Wicked Pictures, an adult film company, at a golf tournament in Lake Tahoe. Yeah, I kind of said that. Hold on. I was at Wicked's (laughs) booth when I met Donald Trump in the celebrity gift room early in the morning before he teed off. Now, she says that uh, Trump, uh, you know, posed for the photo, and then uh, at some point they exchange phone numbers, Mm. and later in the day invites her up to his hotel suite. This is in Lake Tahoe in 2006, I believe puts him at a moment when he's married, but I'm not entirely sure on the exact date. Uh, So... She and uh, a friend go to Donald Trump's hotel room, she says, because she didn't want to go by herself. And uh, she says that he forcefully and without permission kissed both of them, grabbed both of them. Oh, and he answered the door in his pajamas. And uh, she Mm. says that uh, he wanted her to stay and she was not interested. And so she and her friend leave. And she says uh, not too long after that, her phone rings and it's, uh, it's the Donald again. He asked me to return to his suite and have dinner with him. He also invited me to a party. I declined. Donald then asked me, what do you want? 
How much? I told him that I couldn't because I had to return to LA for work. I said that as an excuse because I didn't want him to continue asking me and I didn't want to be with him. Now she says, by the way, that after this conversation, there was a subsequent conversation where another person that she thinks was Trump but could have been someone else calls up and offers her $10,000, although she doesn't say exactly what for, although uh, clearly it was private time, and the use of Donald Trump's plane if she needed to zip back to Los Angeles uh, outside of her expected schedule. Mm -hmm. And again, she says she declines. And um, she was asked quite a bit about why she decided to come forward. Uh, she didn't answer many questions, uh, already answered a few, but uh, Drake offered this explanation. I am not looking for monetary compensation. I do not need additional fame or the type of attention that this is sure to bring. I understand that I may be called a liar or an opportunist. But I will risk that in order to stand in solidarity with women who share similar accounts that span many, many years. Now, I think when we talked Friday morning, I mentioned that there were additional accusers standing by, ready to come forward. We just didn't know what the timeline was going to be. I had no idea the next one was going to be the next day on Saturday. But as you mentioned, I think this brings to 11 the number that we've counted so far. Uh, and by the way, Donald Trump was married in 2006. Uh, he was somewhat recently married to Melania. Which you would think, still being within a year, year and a half of marrying Melania, that he, you know, he wouldn't be necessarily needing to stray quite so quickly. Um, do we have any sense of how many more? There could be. Well, the number I had heard a couple of weeks ago when we first got an indication from Ms. Allred's office that there was an accuser who was the one who was affiliated with the Apprentice television show was that there were three mm -hmm. that were about to speak up publicly. So if you include Summer Zervos, who was the former Apprentice contestant, uh, and then we had the woman who ran into Trump at the U.S. Open in New York. She spoke with Allred midweek last week. And then we have Ms. Drake, who spoke on Saturday. That's three. But the rumors floating around the news people are that there are additional that are contemplating saying something, although uh, the closer it gets to the election, perhaps the uh, the less incentive there is to speak up. You know, the, the Gloria Allred press conference is a well-oiled machine. It is. And I, I think she would even acknowledge that, you know, she, she knows what she's doing and she's done it a lot. How? What's the specific process by which the press knows to be there at the appropriate time? Oh, she calls and emails. Calls and emails? Yeah, or just emails. It depends on the, on the event or someone from her office calls. She's... Um, I'll put it, how do I put this? There are a lot of people that try to get media attention a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, they call us, they send emails, they try to get the news people to show up at some particular place at some particular time because they think what they've got is newsworthy. And most often it's not. Uh, a lot of things are oversold. And so some of what we spend our time doing is figuring out, well, what's worth going to and what's not. And over a lot of years... Uh, Ms. Allred uh, has never failed to deliver 
And that's part of the reason so many news people show up, not to mention that the subject matter is intensely newsworthy at the very moment, of course. Yes. But beyond that, whenever she puts out a bulletin that says, hey, I got somebody who's going to say something you've never heard before, I don't remember a single time where it didn't materialize and let's, I guess we could say, exceeded the expectation of whatever it was that was promised. So that's another reason why so many news people consistently appear at her office, because something always happens, and it's always interesting, and most oftentimes, it's unusual. All right, well, thank you, sir, and uh, if anything else happens, you'll let us know. I will. All right, there he goes, Eric Leonard, waiting for his phone to ring again. When we come back... Trump gave a speech on Saturday in, at Gettysburg, and he laid out a seven-point plan for his first 100 days. And we will get into all seven, lucky number seven, of those points as the Bill Handel Show continues here on KFI AM640, or stimulating talk. KFI News, where local leads. KFI, an iHeartRadio station. Plan ahead, plan ahead. That's what the wise man said. Success is hard to win, but you can win it. If you do a lot of thinking in advance and make the necessary preparations and don't leave everything to be crowded into the very last minute. KFI AM 640, more stimulating talk. Bill Handel Show. Wayne Resnick sitting in. Bill lost his voice. He should be back tomorrow. Before we get into Donald Trump's plan for America, which he presented on Saturday, I want to tell you a great event is coming up. Our yearly pastathon is going to be this uh, Thursday, not this Thursday, a Thursday, December 1st, to be exact. And what you need to know right now is this. If you have a business, you could be a drop-off location for this charity event We raise money and collect pasta and sauce to feed the hungry kids in Anaheim. This is for Katerina's Club, a local charity. And if you want your location to be a drop-off location, this is going to get you a certain amount of good attention. Please email us as soon as possible, bill at kfiam640.com. Now. On to Mr. Trump. On Saturday, he stood at historic Gettysburg to explain his vision for the country and to finally give comprehensive specifics about what he will do. And it turns out that the number one plan for America is he will sue Those lying ladies. Every woman lied when they came forward to hurt my campaign. Total fabrication. The events never happened. Never. All of these liars will be sued after the election is over. All of the liars will be sued... After the election is over and his tax returns have been released. Now, he did have and does have a lot of specific plans, policy plans, and he did lay them out. So, first of all, 
One of his big things is Washington is full of corruption and just terrible, and he's right. And he has a seven-point plan. Here are the seven steps. Easy peasy. Number one, all you got to do is get a constitutional amendment to impose term limits on all members of Congress. Well, that's, I mean, that he could probably do the first day in office because getting a constitutional amendment is nothing. Point two, a hiring freeze on all federal employees, the idea being you will reduce the federal workforce not by laying off people, but you won't hire any new people, and then through attrition, people who quit or retire, in that way you'll reduce the federal workforce. There will be an exemption for military, public safety, and public health. Point three, every new federal regulation will require that we get rid of two existing federal regulations, which means if he can come up with enough ideas for new federal regulations, eventually we'll have no regulations. Point four, a five-year ban on any White House officials or, or Congress people becoming lobbyists after they leave government service. You cannot work in the government for a while, quit, turn right around, and come back as a lobbyist. That's the crony in crony capitalism. Uh, Point number five, a lifetime ban on any White House officials ever lobbying on behalf of a foreign government. Point six, complete ban on foreign lobbyists raising money for American elections. And finally, point seven, he will cancel billions of dollars in payments to U.N. climate change programs. And instead, take that money and use it to fix our water infrastructure and our environmental infrastructure. And this seven-point plan is part of just one of his overall plans for the country. He's got a lot of other ideas that he laid out during this presentation. He says he's going to try to accomplish all of this in the first hundred days in office. Which is going to be interesting because if he sues all those women, won't he be in depositions all day, every day for the first hundred days when he's in office? So here's something. Middle class tax relief and simplification act. He wants to grow the economy at 4% a year and create 25 million new jobs. How's he going to do it? Massive tax reduction simplification of the tax code. Do that in combination with trade reform. You're going to have regulatory relief. You're going to lift the restrictions on our ability in this country to make our own energy. And the biggest tax deductions and reductions in this plan are for the middle class. He's going to try to pass the End the Offshoring Act, And this is basically when American companies lay off American workers and they move their operations to other countries and then they get to ship whatever they make over there back here tax-free. Well, he will put tariffs on that. So if when Carrier moves to Mexico and makes air conditioning units, if they want to sell those back to the United States, they're going to pay a hefty fee for having laid off all those people here. Now, that we're just getting into his ideas. He's got a lot more. So I'll tell you what. Let's take a little break, get some news from Aaron Bender, 
And then uh, when we come back, more of Trump's specific plans for America, including the actual, no kidding, plan for building the wall and getting Mexico to pay for it. Because a lot of people have said, you keep saying that, how can you do that? He has a very, very specific game plan to make that happen. We'll see what we think of it when we come back. It's the Bill Handel Show. This is KFI AM640. More stimulating talk. KFI AM640. More stimulating talk. KFI AM 640, more stimulating talk. This is the Bill Handel Show. Uh, Bill is off his voice bad, but he should be back tomorrow. He's getting top-notch medical intervention, and he should be back tomorrow. Wayne Resnick sitting in. Let's continue with Donald Trump's plan for America. He had a big speech on Saturday at Gettysburg. And you know what's interesting? Uh, He also talked about four scores at Gettysburg, but he was talking about ladies that he had grabbed in the past Okay, so he's going to do middle-class tax relief. That's where we left off. Now, the American Energy and Infrastructure Act. This is another one of the laws that he says he will pass in his first 100 days. It is revenue neutral, he says. And it will... Oh, this is one of the most boring, wonky things I've ever seen in my life. Let me put on my boring, wonky voice for a second. It leverages public-private partnerships and private investments through tax incentives to spur $1 trillion in infrastructure investment over 10 years. Finally, he sounds like a real politician. Okay, great. Um, I I can't criticize it. Seems all right. The School Choice Act. It will give you the right to send your child to the public school of your choice, private school of your choice, charter school of your choice, Magnet school of your choice, religious school of your choice, or home school of your choice. Repeal and replace the Affordable Care Act. Fully repeal it. Replace it with health savings accounts. The ability to buy health insurance across state lines. It lets the states manage federal Medicaid money. And it will reform the FDA to cut the red tape. And so medications, especially ones that that are life-saving or potentially life-saving, will be available much more quickly. And that, I guess, this is my aside now, that would energize the pharmaceutical industry uh, if they knew that they might not have to wait 15 years to go from initial research to a marketable drug and, and cut that down. They might be willing to pursue more things. All right, so that's his plan with regard to health care. And then also the uh, Deductible Child Care and Elder Care Act, you would be able to deduct your child care expenses from your taxes and your elder care expenses from your taxes. It also would give employers tax benefits if they provide on-site child care services. And you would get a tax-free account, a dependent care savings account, for your kids or your elderly parents. And the government would match your contributions. So you put 100 bucks in that account, 
government will put 100 bucks in that account. Only if you're a low-income family. End Illegal Immigration Act. This is the wall. We'll get back to that in a second. Also, two-year mandatory minimum prison term for illegally reentering the United States. Five-year mandatory minimum prison term for illegally coming back if you have a felony conviction or multiple misdemeanor convictions. And then he's going to change all the visa rules so that if you come here on a visa and you overstay your visa, the penalties are much, much worse than they are now. And part of the, the idea there is people come over on a visa, they get a job, then they don't leave. Well, now they're, they're having a job that could go to an American. Restoring Community Safety Act. He'll create a task force on violent crime. He'll increase funding for programs to train and assist local police and increase resources for federal law enforcement agencies and federal prosecutors. The Restoring National Security Act. This is a lot about the military. Get rid of the defense spending sequester. Give veterans the ability to receive public VA treatment or... Instead, they can go to the private doctor of their choice. Beef up our infrastructure against cyber attack. Well, anybody who was like, where the hell is Twitter the other day might might appreciate that. And new screening procedures for immigration. This one is very tricky. To make sure that people we let in support our people and our values. Okay, let's get back to the wall, because the wall has been talked about ad nauseum. He's going to get Mexico to pay for the wall. And people always say, there's no way you can't do it, and what's your plan to do it? And he really has never spoken publicly about his specific plan to get Mexico to pay to build the wall. And even in this address on Saturday at Gettysburg, he didn't get into the details. But there is a very specific plan that he has. Here's what it is. The first thing is he wants to rewrite federal law so that the laws that apply to banks also apply to wire transfer services like Western Union. And the idea is this. You can't do a banking transaction without ID. And that was put into place really behind terrorism and trying to shut down funding for terrorism and make it hard for people to move money around in banks and stuff uh, without showing some kind of ID. But you can go to Western Union and wire money, and you don't have to show ID to send it. You have to show ID to receive it, but you don't have to show ID to send money. And people from Mexico who are here do send back billions of dollars every year to their families in Mexico. So his idea is, well, we're going to make it so you can't send that money back to Mexico without showing ID because he's assuming that's going to make it more difficult for people to do it. And that's a kind of leverage against Mexico. Hey, you want those remittals to you every year, which are a big part of your budget, Mexico? You better build that wall for us or else we're going to rewrite the thing and we're going to really shut that down. Uh, That's the first part of his plan. And then the next part of his plan is basically to get into a trade war with Mexico 
one of our biggest trading partners. And the ultimate idea is this. He believes that he can put so much economic pressure on Mexico that they will realize that it's better for them to throw us the 5 or $10 billion to build the wall than to suffer never getting those remittals again and, uh, and taking it in the shorts in terms of trade with us. Now, the issue, the issue is he's assuming that's the choice that they will make if this happens. And he's also assuming that the rest of the world will stand by while we start this trade war with Mexico and not try to hurt us to get us to not do it. When, when your plan involves trying to pressure people into doing what you want, it can backfire. But he does have a specific plan, and that's his plan. All right, when we come back, more WikiLeaks. We're learning even more about how the Hillary Clinton campaign operates. Prepare to be shocked to your very core at the newest revelations. This is the Bill Handel Show, KFI AM640. More stimulating talk. Aaron Bender has news right now. 